Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Off turn number four, white flag is in the air. Ross Chastain has one lap to win. Ryan Blaney in second has one lap to be a champion. Here they come toward turn number one. Ross Chastain all by himself. Brad Keselowski struggling in front of him, or that's the J.J. Yaley machine. And off turn two, it's a YRB kind of afternoon. Ross Chastain, your race leader, back to the corner. Ryan Blaney, your number one championship contender, following him through. Ross Chastain will win the season finale at the Phoenix Raceway and right behind your 2023 NASCAR Cup Series champion is Ryan Blaney. Well, I've been saying all week, you know, it's uh, it's not often you get a chance to do something for Mr. Penske that he hasn't done before. I mean, because he's done everything in motorsports and when we had a chance to go back to back on the cup side with him, I mean, we couldn't pass up that opportunity. So everyone worked really hard to make it happen and um, just so proud of the effort. But yeah, awesome to deliver it. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you on today's get-together. Folks, today we begin our countdown of NASCAR Live's top 10 stories of 2023. Today, obviously, will be part one, and we'll cover five of the biggest events in NASCAR this year. And here to help us with some of this will be Motor Racing Network voices that you're very familiar with. Jeff Striegel, Alex Hayden, Kim Kuhn. Dave Moody, Steve Post, Chris Wilner, and Kurt Becker will all help us reflect on an exciting 2023 NASCAR season. Before we jump into everything that's happened this year, let's get a check of what's happened recently with the latest check of NASCAR headlines. Kyle Ricky is here, as he is every week. Kyle, what do you have for us? Mike, silly season continues to take shape in the NASCAR garage. The latest headline comes from the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. After a runner-up finish in this year's championship standings, Grant Enfinger will be back behind the wheel of a truck once again, but this time with the team making its series debut in CR7 Motorsports. Enfinger previously drove for GMS Racing until the organization announced that it would close its doors after the conclusion of the 2023 season. After stating that he wouldn't be back for another NASCAR Xfinity Series stint at BJ McLeod Motorsports, Anthony Alfredo has found himself a new home for the foreseeable future. The 24-year-old will make his return to Our Motorsports to pilot the team's number five car full-time. Alfredo previously competed for the organization in 2022, finishing 15th in the series standings. And Hunt Brothers Pizza will sponsor a new driver and team in 2024. The company announced that they will back Joey Logano and Team Penske for select races in the NASCAR Cup Series. The partner will also be an associate sponsor for defending series champion Ryan Blaney. 
The specific races where Logano will drive the number 22 Hunt Brothers Pizza Ford will be announced at a later date. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll dive into the top 10 stories of 2023. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's back here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco from the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Quite possibly the biggest story of the 23 NASCAR season occurred a month ago at Phoenix Raceway as Ryan Blaney took home the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series Championship. With the win, Ryan made it two in a row for Roger Penske and all the hardworking folks in the Team Penske Garage. Dave Moody, what were your thoughts on Ryan Blaney heading into the season as a potential championship contender? Well, he proved uh, beyond any reasonable doubt for all time to come that getting hot at the right time is a wonderful thing in the world of sports. I don't think anybody had very much, if any, money on Ryan Blaney to win the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series championship back in February when it all got underway. I'm not even sure that at the start of the playoffs, he was anywhere near the top of anybody's list. But, man, with about four, five, six races to go, that team figured something out. And they just got full of themselves, and they had a full load of, uh, of adrenaline and a full load of confidence. And I think by the time we got to Martinsville, just about all of us figured out that that team was going to be really hard to guard. Jeff Striegel is with us as well. Jeff, how about you? What were your thoughts on Ryan heading into 2023? You know, I would agree with you, Dave, that going into – Daytona. I don't think any of us would have had Ryan Blaney down as the odds-on favorite to win the championship. I think the the difference that we have to look at is the fact that he drives for Team Penske, right, Dave? And when and when that happens, good things happen. So he just did exactly what his teammate Joey Logano did the year prior, and like you said, got hot when it mattered second at Homestead, backed it up with the win at Martinsville and unstoppable when it came time to win a championship at Phoenix. Dave, you mentioned that it wasn't until four races or so to go that you finally realized that Ryan Blaney could have a shot to win the title. What moment stood out to you that had that sudden realization dawn upon you? Well, I think, you know, when they went to Martinsville and didn't just contend, didn't just win, but basically stepped on everybody's throats for the entire weekend at Martinsville. I think that was a pretty good indication. It was very interesting because 2023 was a very odd year for Ford Motor Company. Um, Team Penske really struggled for much of the season. Stuart Haas Racing struggled for the entire season. Roush Fenway Keselowski was probably the most successful Ford team going into the playoffs, uh, if not for the entire season. But Penske found something, again, at the right time at the end of the season, which in a playoff format, man, if you find it just in time, you can do some really good things. And I thought it was really ironic that Ford Motor Company struggled the way they did all season long and then went to Phoenix and won all three championships in all three national series. Jeff, let's go back to May when Ryan and the 12 team won the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. After going winless in year one with crew chief Jonathan Hassler, how important of a win was that for the team's psyche? 
Well, I think when you take a look at what he had done prior to Charlotte, which was hit and miss, hot and cold, no consistency at all, I think that was probably better for Ryan Blaney and the team than it was for all of us looking on. They needed something to to look at, to move on, to drive with, and they got that win at Charlotte, dominated that race, as a matter of fact. I, I think, Dave, don't you, that when you look at that win – you're thinking, okay, it's time for this team to really show their strength. But they didn't. They continued to be hot and cold, inconsistent. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about before in the fact that he just wasn't going to be at the top of the list when it came time to pick who do you think is going to win a championship. I agree. And and Ryan has said himself in recent years, that he needed to he needed to get beyond being that one win a year guy that the guy that wins every season or just about every season but never really hangs a crooked number on the board as they say in the stick and ball sports he wanted to be the guy that could go out and dominate three or four or five times a year he'd certainly keep that door open I think winning early enough in the year only at Charlotte opened the door for not just that team, but for Team Penske as well, to start focusing a little bit on the postseason without having to worry about making it anymore. And it allowed them to be as good as they were at the end. But I think now he's finally taken that step, right? He's the guy that uh, that, that wins more than one a year, and he wins now championships as well. And I don't think we'll ever look at him the same way again at the start of another season. Dave, when we look back on Ryan Blaney's championship season, what will be the lasting legacy, in your opinion? Well, uh, I, I talked to him a week ago, and we were half joking, but we were half not joking that the whole YRB thing probably now can be put to bed. You know, young Ryan Blaney is is about 30 years old now. And we joke that we could maybe substitute a C for the Y, and he can be champion Ryan Blaney for the rest of his career. He's earned that. We've seen it with so many other drivers over the years that you hoist that big trophy and people just don't look at you the same way anymore. You have a level of respect, and I think we have a level of expectation that changes the way you operate from that on. You know, and I don't think uh, we want to look at Ryan Blaney anything other than as a champion now he's proved that he belongs at this level he uh has proved that he he is a champion uh he puts his name in the in the same record book that has richard petty that has jimmy johnson like you said uh dave all of those that came before him uh chase elliott and alike i'm really interested to see what he is able to do now that he has accomplished this Uh, I think it's something that obviously every driver dreams of. Only the rare ever have the opportunity to accomplish it. And now he is a champion, and it's going to be interesting to see how he performs. And like you said, Dave, he's only 29 years old. He is a long, he has a long career ahead of him. And lastly, Dave, in recent years, we've seen younger drivers like Chase Elliott win a title, then Kyle Larson. Does Ryan Blaney's win announce a changing of the guard at the Cup Series level? When the average age of the championship four is something like 28 and a half or 29, there's there's no question that this year was a little bit different than years before. There was no Hamlin in the championship four, no Keselowski, no Truex, no Logano, no Harvick, no Kyle, no Kurt. So, yeah, we saw the beginnings of something there. But I don't want to jump the gun either because if you'll remember, and Jeff, I know you do, probably five or six years ago now, 
NASCAR tried really hard at the start of the season to make these up-and-coming youngsters the focus. And not only did it make the veterans angry, I remember Kevin Harvick after about eight races into the season standing up and saying, hello, we've won all the races. They haven't won any yet. Don't get too excited about their, these kids until they, until they start carrying checkered flags. Well, they're carrying checkered flags now. I don't think that's something that happens overnight. You don't wake up one morning and say, okay, all the guys that used to be good aren't good anymore, and all these new guys are. It's a slow process, day by day, month by month, year by year. But I think it's absolutely well underway at this point. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Jeff. Coming up, we'll reflect on the historic weekend in downtown Chicago. The NASCAR season is here, and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing Inc. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. In 2023, we celebrated 75 years of NASCAR racing. And in that 75th year, NASCAR embarked upon one of the sport's most audacious ventures as the NASCAR Cup Series and Xfinity Series raced on the first ever street circuit right in the middle of downtown Chicago. Alex Hayden, Steve Post, and Kurt Becker are here to discuss this topic. Alex, we'll start with you. We've seen the introduction of new road courses and even NASCAR Cup cars racing in the L.A. Coliseum. But when you learned about a street race in downtown Chicago, what were your thoughts? A mixed bag of emotion. I think uh, I was super excited. I was excited for something completely different for our sport. I was excited about the prospect of, of what this could be. And then I was also at the same time quite nervous. I wasn't sure how this would play out with these big, heavy stock cars on downtown city streets and heavy braking, heavy acceleration, would they begin to tear up the, the city streets and create a big problem and a potential big embarrassment? We know street racing, whether it be IndyCar or F1 or whatever the case may be, those are much lighter racing cars than what stock cars are from NASCAR. So uh, I, I think it was just a mixed bag of excitement and, and caution and concern all at the same time. But once we got there and got boots on the ground and, and saw the opening practice, I knew we were in for something very special. Kurt, you reside in the land of Lincoln. What did it mean to you to see NASCAR take this leap of faith in Chicago? I, I was excited about it and looking forward to it, but I had a lot of skepticism. I, I think you look at Chicago, great sports town, but you've got a baseball presence uh, with the Cubs dating back well into the 19th century. You look at the White Sox back to 1900, football and hockey at a, at a top level going back to the 1920s. And I thought, well, I'm not really sure if the people of Chicago really want this or are looking for something like motorsports on their streets. And then then you, you figure, OK, so we're going to come into that environment. By the way, we're going to shut down the heart of your business district, which is a worldwide center of commerce. And by the way, it's going to take us uh, several days to do this. Then you throw in you had a, a mayoral election in Chicago in February. And anytime there's a change in administration, you're just not sure how the, the new administrators are going to feel about something that's such a big change for the city. You had the Canadian wildfires. And, and that had disrupted the air quality in the Chicago area the week of the race. 
then you get to that weekend and you had record rainfall. So it seems like everything that could have gone against it did. But once we did get going, even despite the rain and such, the great part, uh, I, my turn position was back on Lakeshore Drive. And I remember at one point in a break in the action, I walked over to the fence that separates the northbound lanes on Lakeshore from the Field Museum and the Shed Aquarium. And there were people coming out of those facilities who had walked up the grassy embankment to the fence and had been craning their necks to see what was going on. And they start asking all kinds of questions about NASCAR. And I, I my favorite question was during a caution, the, the folks along the fence had said, hey, what? so what's, I'm not a motorsports fan. Why is it once in a while, there's one car that's got flashing lights on top of it and all the other cars slow down and line up behind it. And you know what I loved about that question? It was proof positive that this sport was coming in front of a whole new set of eyeballs, a whole new set of potential fans, and they liked it. And I went down the fence row and I asked one person after another, would you like to see NASCAR come back to Chicago again? And to the person, they all nodded their head and said yes. So it's it's a great new market. You're talking about what, a city of three million people. Uh, so uh, I think it was uh, absolutely a success for NASCAR. Posty, what was your vantage point of the race weekend festivities from Pit Road? My visual from the street course in Chicago is looking back from Pit Road to the houses, not to the houses, to the buildings, to the office buildings and the apartment buildings on Michigan Avenue and seeing people standing on top of them on every balcony, people looking, looking to see this race. There were a ton of people that paid good money to come see this race. There was another ton of people that were outside, like Kurt said, screening their necks just trying to get a visual of it. That was something, that visual of all of those people on those balconies, on those rooftops, on those buildings. There were people on awnings, on, on tarp awnings. Trying to get a see, uh, trying to get a view of NASCAR racing, especially down Michigan Avenue there, that uh, that 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 busy street. It was amazing to see. Now, reflecting back on that weekend, more history was made as Shane Van Gisbergen, racing for Trackhouse Racing's Project Ninety One, became the first driver in sixty years to win in his first NASCAR Cup Series start. Alex, you had the checker flag call that day. What was going through your mind as you realized that? You were about to witness history. We knew he was going to be good. We didn't know he was going to be that good in his first start in a NASCAR Cup Series machine. And we waited to see how this was going to play out. With the rains early, a very wet racetrack. But as the track began to dry out and get that one groove through the, the majority of the race course, it was very apparent who the guys that understood how to race on street courses were. Shane Van Gisbergen certainly was at the top of that list. And once we got down to probably 15 or so laps left in the race, it was extremely apparent that he was going to be the guy that, that anybody else was going to have to beat. So it sent us in the booth just scurrying, going through history books and going through the, the laptop. Every time we do a call, and throw it to Dave or Kurt or whomever it might have been for the play-by-play -play call out on the course itself, I immediately turned my attention to my laptop trying to, trying to do research. When was the last time somebody won in their first ever start in a Cup Series race? When was the last time uh, this type of scenario took place, whether it was with a race team that just decided to do an entry here for a driver like that? So it, it was somewhat frantic in the in the broadcast booth 
once we dropped it off to the turn for the play-by-play of the lap, of course, we're keeping one eye uh, on the race course itself, our ears wide open to our MRN colleagues, as they call the lap, because we had to pay close attention because it is NASCAR racing after all. You never know what's going to happen turn after turn. So it was quite frantic, and, and what an event it turned out to be. And I think one of the the telling things about it uh, Shane Ben Gisbergen aside, it could have been anybody that won that race. And the stroll through the race course, through the infield, and then specifically walking right down the front straightaway, the sun had already begun to set. The fans were everywhere. They didn't want to leave. And the way the makeshift garage area was, there were crew members trying to pull their wagons and pit carts and all their equipment from pit road back to the garage area let alone the cars going through final technical inspection. The garage area was jam-packed with people that just wanted to get up close and personal. They were looking at a jack that they used in pit road and examining it like it was the first time they'd ever seen a piece of metal before. The, the types of things we were seeing after the race was just amazing with this new audience and new set of eyes sprinkled in with some very intelligent NASCAR fans that came to the race themselves. So it was a great mix all the way around, but to have somebody who had never been in a, in a Cup Series car in competition before go out there and win that race was astonishing. Yeah, he was he was he was certainly in shock. I mean, you 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 could not script it as a as a race car driver to go do your first Cup Series race and win the thing. So you know, I don't even think you I don't even think you dream about that. I, I think you come into it and you want to be respectable. So uh, he was in shock, but I think really what also created part of that moment in victory lane was just the fact that everybody else was in shock too. And everybody had flooded onto the front straightaway. And, you know, myself included, and in complete honesty, just trying to get to Shing. You had all of the team members, but I'm not sure. I'm not, it, it wouldn't shock me if a bunch of fans jumped the fence and got out there because it just became a mob scene. And I remember I was on the two-way radio with our producer, Ryan Horn, and I'm like, I'm close, but I'm really not close at all because there's there's 50 people between us. And I'm weaving through and, you know, trying to be respectful, but everybody is all pushing to the same direction, to this driver that has just climbed out of this race car. And our, our folks at TV had gotten in there, and I was able to finally get close to him where I could cue Ryan and say, okay, I can get him now. And then ultimately when, when, when Alex and Jeff threw to me, I just had to move people out of the way to get to Shane. And it wasn't a, it, you know, it was just, and, and it was the, the people I was moving. Once they saw it was MRN, they were like, Oh, oh wait, he's got to get in there. He's got to work to do. He's got to go do this. But it was just fascinating because it was not only Shane's disbelief. And I, and I, and that came out in the interview, listening to him, but you had a couple hundred people, maybe a thousand people around that car that were equally in disbelief. You had an MRN announcer that was in disbelief as well at what we'd just seen. And it was just an amazing moment, that sea of people. And I actually, as I got there, is right when Justin Marks, the team owner, arrived. And for Justin, it was more validation, I think, than anything because he had talked about this Project 91. He had talked about bringing world-class drivers to NASCAR. And to me, it was a, a ringing endorsement of his vision of this. Uh, I, I think he understands that it's not going to be duplicated on a regular basis. 
but I think it was validation of his vision of the international appeal of this, the international effect of this. And, and, and you got to remember, talking about the international appeal of this, two or three weeks earlier, Garage 56 was at Le Mans. So NASCAR was getting all this worldwide attention, and here this great Australian racer came into NASCAR and won the race. And I just think it all bubbled up into that victory lane. And disbelief is 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 definitely the theme of the day because I'm not sure any of us involved down there believed what we just saw, but we were all really, really glad that we had witnessed what we saw at Chicago. And we look forward to seeing more of SVG on the NASCAR circuit in 2024. Coming up, Kevin Harvick's storied NASCAR Cup Series career came to an end in Phoenix. We'll discuss his final season and lasting legacy next. From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Prior to the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series season, Kevin Harvick announced that 2023 would be his last full-time season in the number four for Stewart House Racing. He's going to trade in the fire suit and swap it out for a Fox Broadcasting booth stint in 2024. Dave Moody and Jeff Striegel are back with me now. Jeff, what were your initial thoughts when you knew that this was going to be the final year for Kevin and that we would see Kevin race his last cup race? Well, you knew it was coming, but you also couldn't really celebrate losing somebody of uh, his ability and what that individual has meant to the sport. Um, I don't think that his retirement announcement surprised anybody. I think we all knew that that time was going to be coming. He's got a family. He wants to be there with them. Uh, but we're going to miss Kevin Harvick. And what he is not only, uh, and Dave, I want you to weigh in on this as well, not only what he's accomplished on the racetrack, but what he has meant to the sport away from the racetrack. Yeah, he, he obviously had reached that point in life where if you've got a family, the kids are getting to a certain age, they have interests of their own, they have lives of their own, they have things that they want to be doing outside of hanging around the motorhome with mom and dad at Talladega on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, so like, the, the the announcement didn't catch a lot of us by surprise, for sure. Uh, but, Jeff, you're exactly right. Kevin Harvick means and will continue to mean far more to this sport than just wins and top fives and top tens and championships. He's going to, based on what we've seen in the last couple of years in a very part-time status, he's going to transition into that TV booth. He's going to continue to be a spokesperson for this sport. He's going to continue to tell us things that we never noticed before and to put this sport in the best possible light. So I look forward to a lot more years of Kevin Harvick, just in a slightly different way. Jeff, looking back on Kevin's career, what are some of the moments that stood out to you? Well, I think you have to go with the very first race that he ever ran at the cup level. Um, you know, it was coming at, at the most difficult time in our sport after having just lost uh, Dale Sr. And then yeah, I think we all knew, we all knew Kevin Harvick. Uh, we all knew that he was a talented race car driver. 
Uh, we didn't know him individually. We didn't know his personality. We didn't know what he was going to do when he was given the opportunity. And the thing that that and the, I, I think the thing that will always register with me when it comes to Kevin Harvick, if you give him an opportunity, he's going to seize it. Uh, what does that mean? You put him in a position to win uh, a championship, he's going to win the championship. You put him in a position to drive a race car, he is going to do it, Dave, to the absolute best of his ability. He will leave nothing on the table. You go back and you look at, what, 826 career starts? Dave, do you ever remember a time that he just phoned it in? I, I just don't think that that, that, was a, that wasn't Kevin Harvick's makeup. And I think when he first came on the scene, he showed everybody, if you're going to give me an opportunity, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to make it the very best I can. Yeah, there there was no there was no phoning it in in his vocabulary for sure. You don't come up with a nickname like the closer by accident. He was the guy that so many times over the years would be would be good but not great until it really mattered, and then he would show you for the first time all day that he really did have a pretty good hand of cards that he was holding against his chest. And he and Rodney Childers had a way of being good when the pay window opened. And I think also, you know, we talk a lot about Kevin, but I think Rodney deserves a little love here too. He hasn't retired yet, but when you think of the all-time great driver-crew chief tandems in this sport, when you talk about, you know, uh, Petty and Inman, when you think about Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson, when you take talk about Jeff Gordon and Ray Evernham, I think as time goes on, we're going to realize that that Harvick-Childress combo was really something pretty special. And Dave, don't you think we could use the word race management when it comes to Kevin Harvick? Was there anyone better? at going through, like you brought up just a moment ago, the closer. We always knew that when we got down to the final 25% of the race, that if we hadn't talked about Kevin Harvick yet, we were going to. And you mentioned Rodney. And when you take a look at how they approach the race, something we don't talk a lot about, race management, how you get in and control a race. Is there anybody that was ever better as a tandem, at least at this level right now? I think in all of those 800-something starts, Jeff, we could probably count on the fingers of one hand the number of times that Kevin Harvick climbed out of a race car, having not won the race, and said, we burned our stuff up too early. We just weren't very good at the end. We made the wrong adjustment. That just was not a part of their deal. With he and Rodney, they always seemed like they saved the best for last. They always had a little more at the end than we thought they did. And maybe more importantly, they always had more at the end than anybody else did. It was uh, it was amazing to watch at times because, like you said, you always knew we may not have mentioned Kevin Harvick more than three times in 450 miles, but all of a sudden he's right on the tip of our tongues and we're getting down to check and flag time. Dave, as it was announced, Josh Berry is going to be stepping into the four car in 2024. Where does Stuart Haas Racing go from here without its all-time wins leader? This is a really critical year for them because they they did not have a great 2023 2022 wasn't necessarily something to write home about. They've lost Kevin Harvick, who was the senior statesman. They've lost Eric Almarola, who was a veteran, steady presence for many, many years. 
Some of their sponsors have moved on down the road as well. And now they're in a situation where Chase Briscoe, as good as he is, and I take nothing away from Chase, he's an outstanding talent that's going to win a lot of races in this game. But he's the senior statesman now at Stuart Haas Racing. That team's got a lot of work to do during the offseason. And I think one of the very interesting storylines, Jeff, at the start of this season, maybe first 10 or 12 races of the 2024 campaign, is whether SHR can get themselves back in this game or not. And I don't I don't expect them to, in those first 10 or 12 races, Dave, just to come out and win two or three or four events. I don't. But I also think, that this is an opportunity. It's not lost on them what you just said, Dave. That they don't have a uh, a senior level Hall of Fame driver that can lead them. I think they have to look now within themselves. I think this is a tremendous opportunity, not only for those drivers, but for the team to really step forward and make a statement and show everybody we're, we we may have lost a driver, we may have lost two. Uh, we may have lost a sponsor or three or four, but we are not out of it by any stretch of the means. I would think that this is the time that you really rally behind each other. You pull together, you're a team, you come out, you may not set the world on fire right out of the box, but I'm very interested to see what they're able, Dave, to do over the long haul. Their run at Stuart Haas, where the old saying comes into play, either they're going to hang together or they're going to hang separately. It will be definitely interesting to follow along in 2024. Coming up, 2023 wasn't quite the season that Chase Elliott had in mind. Well, details, the trials and tribulations for Chase next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. In seven full-time Cup Series seasons heading into 2023, Chase Elliott had cemented himself as one of the top drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series. Chase took home the 2020 Cup Series championship and was the regular season champion in 2022 before falling just short to Joey Logano in the championship race at Phoenix last fall. So, of course, 2023 would be another big year for Chase, right? Kim Kuhn and Chris Wilner are here now to reflect on Chase Elliott's 2023 campaign gone astray. Kim, the struggles for Chase began the week of Las Vegas. He was injured in a snowboarding accident, which caused him to miss the next six races. What were your initial thoughts when you heard of the news of Chase's injury? I was in Vegas when the news broke, which was wild because you kind of saw everybody running around and, and things coming together in terms of an announcement being made. And I think shock is the biggest thing I was feeling you're talking about NASCAR's most popular driver. You think about what he was able to do in 2022. They won five times. Uh, and now he's out for six races. And then, of course, gets suspended for a seventh race uh, after what he did to Hamlin in the Coke 600. So, again, shock is – it's still shocking to think about, A, a driver missing that many races, and then for it to be Chase Elliott who kind of, you know – I don't want to say he, he – brings in a lot of fans, but because he is the most popular driver, a lot of people tune in to watch Chase. And so we were without our most popular driver for half a dozen races. 
Kim, once he returned, there was a ton of pressure on the nine team to get a win and to earn a spot in the playoff field. Were you surprised by his inability to win a race earlier in the year? I was very surprised. And again, I think that is because of what he was able to do the year before. You look at 2022, that team had the most wins. They had five wins on the season. So regardless of what happened with Chase, to go from a five-win season to a zero-win season, and on top of that, Chase has won at least once every year for the majority of the time he's been in the Cup Series. So I think maybe even a bigger shock than Chase getting injured and being out for a number of weeks was the fact that he remained winless on the season. Now, I do think they had some strong performances in the second half of the season. And once the playoffs started, um, opportunities where he could have won, you know, you look at what happened at Watkins Glen and you're like, ah, um, running out of fuel. And so, you know, I think that that more than anything probably was the biggest head scratcher is them not getting to victory lane. Chris, what do you think about Chase Elliott's season? Yeah, and statistically, too, it wasn't a bad year. Now, yeah, when you take away the win column of things, but, you know, still seven top five finishes. I think he had like 15 or 16 top 10 finishes. So statistically, not a bad year, but then just the way it all shook out, it seemed like they never found any momentum. It seemed like they were just behind the eight ball from the get-go once Chase returned to the seat at Martinsville, you know, earlier in the spring. And, you know, this, and the thing that also kind of scratched my head as well is it's not like we're the next-gen car came this year. You know, it's not like they were learning a new car and all this happened. Chase had success, like you mentioned, last year. And so to kind of come back and it seemed like just there was no connection uh, for the majority of the season until we got to the playoffs. And he had a couple good stretch runs. Probably his best run of the season really didn't happen until, you know, Indy, where he finished second. And he had some top tens there to end the year. And he he even joked with me on pit road and said, I guess I'm relevant again, because it felt like we weren't talking about Chase Elliott for quite a bit of time. So, uh, you know, it definitely was odd. And I thought maybe he would at least pull out one even in the end, not even qualifying for the playoffs, but to go winless for the first time since 2017. I did not have that on mine be a go-kart either. <laughs> and the juxtaposition of what Larson and Byron were able to do with multi-win seasons. Uh, Alex Bowman's in a different category because he had issues of his own, but looking at what the five and the 24 did and were able to do versus what the nine couldn't do, I think that that makes it even a bigger kind of night and day juxtaposition. Kim, you bring up the successes of the five and the 24 car. How will we look back on this season for Chase Elliott? Ooh, how would I describe that season for him? If I could use one word, again, surprising. I, a non-factor. You know, he still ended up the most popular driver, so I guess he can hang his hat on that. I don't know that there was any anybody that was going to put up too much of a fight in still getting those honors. Um Maybe perseverance, grit, the fact that, you know, he's they still stayed in it despite all the things that were thrown at them. Um, forgetful, there's a number of things that come to mind. Um, forgetful in the fact that they want to forget it, but maybe not forgetful, maybe memorable because it was such a weird season for them. And, and I think a lot of people will remember in terms of fans that season as it being a winless season. So I don't, I don't even know what category you put Chase Elliott's 2023 season in. Yeah. There's a number of words you describe it. I think forgetful is nice as well, because it kind of was almost serving as a motivator. I think Chase and, and I know you guys talked to him at the banquet 
I think he's just ready to put it behind him and say, listen, you know, it was an anomaly. You know, we had a lot of things go wrong, both off the track, obviously with the injury and stuff like that, and just not finding that momentum. But race car drivers build on those tough moments. And I think that Chase, you know, is going to come back this year and um, kind of use that almost to fuel the fire just a little bit. But uh, yeah, you're right. It's hard to put a specific word on Chase's season. I think it's something he even wasn't expecting, injury or not. I think you would expect him just to kind of get back to where, you know, the success was for his, uh, for he and his team in 2022 so uh we'll be interesting to see what happens obviously chase had a shoulder pr- uh, procedure done as well trying to get everything right with his body and his mind ready to go for 2024 so we'll see if it all pans out and if he can hit the ground running in february are we in for a bounce back season for chase elliott in 2024 we'll find out together as that chase will resume pardon the pun at daytona in february coming up nascar has a new media rights deal we'll go over what it looks like next hiring With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. Our next headline occurred just two weeks ago. As NASCAR announced a new seven-year media rights deal, the deal introduced two new partners, Warner Brothers Discovery and Amazon, along with the return of longtime television partners Fox Sports and NBC. Alex Hayden, Steve Post, Kurt Becker are back with me. Posty, what were your initial takeaways when the announcement was made? First and foremost, just the size and the scope of it. Um, we live in a world. We live in a world where we hear this is not good, that is not good. Uh, we rarely see pictures of full grandstands, but boy, there's a lot of people that point out empty grandstands, and you know, this just the the there's there, there's a lot of negativity out there as far as NASCAR, as far as sports go. I mean, this is. You know, with with just overall sports, people like to be uh, Debbie Downers about it. So first and foremost, when you look at the scope of this thing, it is like a 40% increase. Somebody is liking NASCAR. Somebody is tuning into these races. Somebody is watching these races. There's a whole lot of people we know listening to the races on MRN. And so first and foremost, the agreement just is an endorsement of the sport of NASCAR and 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 where we're at as a support as a sport, where we're at from the management side, where we're at from the team owner side, where we're at from the track side, and more so where we're at from the drivers. Folks love our athletes, and the networks realize this and paying are, are paying big money to be part of it. Now, where this evolves and gets interesting, and my perspective on it is is that there's no shock that a streaming element is part of this. I, I think we heard that. We heard speculation about that. We've done everything. I just think that so much of this is a huge ringing endorsement of what NASCAR is doing. And uh, the, the the coverage we're going to have on television is going to be amazing. Alex, Amazon getting into sports broadcasting is relatively new. They've partnered with the NFL to exclusively broadcast Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, along with 
an annual Black Friday game. How important is it for a company like Amazon to agree to team up with NASCAR? It's massive. And yes, the NFL is the big dog on campus. Everybody understands that. But where NASCAR has a major advantage over the NFL, especially on the Amazon streaming platform, is the fact that we race for 36, 37, 38 weeks in a row. Where uh, take away the Olympic break in there. So there's an awful lot of program programming that comes along with that. You don't get to see the Philadelphia Eagles go practice at their facility. You get to see NASCAR practicing. You're going to get to see that uh, on Amazon for the majority of the time. So the other thing I think really sticks out to me and why the, the streaming space is so valuable and why streamers want to be involved with NASCAR, not only the length of the schedule, but I think it's also a matter of when you're streaming, that is majority on demand. So you can go hit a button or two and go watch whatever program you want to watch. If you want to fast forward through that program, you can fast forward through that program just to get to your favorite scene and watch that, have a chuckle and maybe go on to something else. Live event sports keep people's attention because you don't know what's going to happen next. And I think that's why streamers are really interested in live event programming, specifically NASCAR racing, because it gives them an opportunity to get somebody on their platform and keep them on their platform. And that may they can go ahead and promote other programs that they have on there. They can sell different advertisers. They can make a bulk of their money back by doing this. Live event programming. Think about it. When a major news story breaks, people get attached to whatever network they want to follow through the coverage of that. And more times than not, you're going to sit there for an hour or two hours just to see what happens and what's going to happen. What's the end result? Much the same with live event sports is people are going to tune in because they want to see what's going to happen next. Because with a live event, you don't know what's going to happen next. You can't fast forward through a live event. And I think that's the great appeal for streamers to want to be involved with a live event. And NASCAR is so much more appealing because of all the different things that take place from practice to qualifying to the racing itself. Kurt, I know that some NASCAR fans will be skeptical of the streaming component. But do you think that it's a step forward? I've never been a parent, and the world can heave a sigh of relief for that fact. But I, I've always been skeptical when people will say we can learn so much from our kids. And I'm always of the mindset, well, maybe in limited areas, but kids have a lot to learn from those of us who have been around longer and have experience. Well, this is one, I, this is one example where I would absolutely concede the point. We can learn from our kids or our younger generation, because I have talked to parents and grandparents who say, look, I've, I've watched my kids. I've watched my grandkids and streaming is the way of the future. This is how young people love to get access to content. So I think that that aspect of the broadcast rights deal is very much cutting edge for NASCAR. Coming up, we'll look ahead to part two of NASCAR Live's top 10 news stories of 2023. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We've covered a lot of topics today, and that's only half of the biggest stories from 2023. Next week, we'll go deeper into the headlines and talk about everything from Denny Hamlin embracing a villain role to the return of North Wilkesboro Speedway. Here's a quick preview of what's still to come. He really doesn't seem to mind wearing the black hat, and it's been, it's been an amazing turnaround because... 
until the last couple of years, he wasn't the most popular driver in NASCAR, but he certainly wasn't the least. I never thought that he was even close to being the least. In his home state of Virginia, he could get a beautiful ovation from time to time. Now they just boo him out of the joint, no matter where he is. And it's become really fascinating. But from our perspective, as people to cover the sport and are every once in a while looking for a great story, somebody's got to be willing to wear the black hat, right? If there if there are no bad guys riding into Dodge City, Matt Dillon's going to have to shoot fastest, and nobody's tuning in to watch that. You've got to have a bad guy, and Denny is more than happy to be that guy, it seems. You know, Dave, I don't think Denny Hamlin has to prove or apologize to anybody for anything. When you're a three-time Daytona 500 winner, when you've won as many times as he's won, when you're a NASCAR future Hall of Famer, when that career is all said and done, I I love it. And I'll tell you why, Dave. I love it because I like to hear what other people have to say about Denny Hamlin. I like to see how the crowd responds to Denny Hamlin, as you just pointed out. Tune in next Tuesday night to hear all that and more. Folks, that's all the time we have for you for this week. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, including the voices you heard on the show today, Jeff Striegel, Alex Hayden, Kim Kuhn, Dave Moody, Steve Post, Chris Wilner, and Kurt Becker, we thank you for joining us. We appreciate you checking in with us every Tuesday night at 7 Eastern for NASCAR Live. Until we speak again, friends, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.